everyone, and welcome to our third episode of Voices in Miami. My name is Olivia Martin Johnson, and I am the co-founder and co-host of this podcast. With me today is my co-founder and co-host, Josie Bloom. Josie and I are passionate about giving a space for students to express their concerns, hence our purpose for creating Voices in Miami. In today's episode, we'll be interviewing a future change maker who Josie will now introduce. Like my co-host Olivia just said, welcome to our third episode of Voices in Miami. Today on our third episode, we are interviewing Madeline Lay, who is a sophomore at the George Washington University, majoring in political science and minoring in public health and women's genders and sexuality studies. In 2017, Madeline founded Shrink the Gap to empower women to fight the gender pay gap through salary negotiation and interview workshops and public advocacy. She is also the director of public affairs for DW Leading Women of Tomorrow. Additionally, she is the SDG5 gender equality ambassador for social impact movement and a columnist for the Feminism Explained newsletter. Welcome, Madeline. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. We're very excited to interview you and learn more about what you've done for our community and progressing SDG 5. So can you give us a little rundown in your own words as to what your passion project of Shrink the Gap is and um, how you started it, kind of the whole story? Sure. Um, So in 2017, I founded Shrink the Gap that aims to provide people to the, the tools to fight the gender pay gap through salary negotiation workshops and public advocacy. Um, And to supplement that work, as you heard, I do a lot of other things. Um, So to talk a little bit about what inspired me to get started, I think that as we get older, we become a lot more aware about how prominent patriarchy is in our society. And while I was not too familiar with the status of treatment in the labor force, when I was younger, prior to starting high school, I was familiar with some of the other ways women and girls are undervalued and devalued in our society. Um, So this might sound a little unrelated, but I promise it will be related (laughs) Um, towards the end of this discussion. Um, But the objectification and sexualization of girls and women like in this system influence the unrealistic and unattainable body standards and beauty standards that determine our value. And that's what I was familiar with when I was younger. It's also worth acknowledging how these beauty standards are Eurocentric and whitewashed. Um, And there is a constant promotion of these ideals on social media. And I was very physically and negatively impacted by these body standards at a young age. So besides getting catcalled by middle-aged, catcalled at by middle-aged men, when I was a minor, my eating disorder was one of the first most monumental times where I was affected by the society's perception of girls and women's value. So to talk about value, I think value is, is um, I mean, it, talking about women's value is talking about women's status in the labor force, I think. So when I became more aware about these issues that women and girls face in the society, um, I mean, I, I, I became more aware of these issues as I grow up. And in 2017, the Me Too movement became prominent, which focused a lot about sexual harassment and rape in the workplace. 
And I started to do more self-directed research about other gender, gender issues in the workplace, including the gender pay gap. And I will never forget when my mom told me about after working as a teacher for many years at the same school, she found out that she was getting paid less than a newly hired male counterpart. And she got in trouble for speaking up about it. So in this situation, my mom was seen as less valuable to her job that she was working at for much longer than her newly hired male counterpart. Um, so, so sexual harassment and the gender pay gap, which my work has concentrated on, provides a representation or another representation about how women are undervalued in society. And I wanted to do something about it, which led me to start Shrink the Gap. Well, well, well thank you for, oh, sorry, Josie, go ahead. No, um, I mean, that's, that's a very powerful story you have there. Um, I mean, unfortunate, but it is our reality, our reality as women. Um, I don't, I don't know about you, Olivia, but I certainly have been catcalled at and it's not, it's not nice. And I do know of many like professional women who are making significantly less than their counterparts. So like hearing the statistic, like in the news or whatever, it can seem like, oh yeah, like whatever. But like having a personal experience of it, it seems more accessible. And I'm, I'm so very thankful that Shrink the Gap um, is trying to, you know, like make that fact more known, right? So you were talking a little bit about Shrink the Gap and how you started it. But since 2017, when you founded it, what have you accomplished between then and now? So one of Shrink the Gap's first actions was providing salary negotiation workshops to high school students um, at my school and also to middle school age students at the Gwen Cherry Youth Center in Liberty City. Um, and since, started since starting college, I provided a gender pay gap and gender pay gap, I mean, sorry, a gender pay gap information session slash salary negotiation workshop to, um, to the leading woman of tomorrow's uh, cha national chapter summit, which it, that is an organization, a student-led organization um, around the United States and also internationally that aims to bridge public representation in women's leadership positions. Um, so I gave a session there and I also gave a session for the Smart is Strong Foundation at Cornell University. Keep in mind, this was over Zoom, but if it wasn't over Zoom, I don't know if I can say that I did these things since they were national events. Um, so, but also in talking about the gender pay gap, public advocacy is really important. So I have spoken to former Congresswoman Donna Shalala at a town hall meeting about um, the salary history ban. And I also spoke at the Miami-Dade Community Subcommittee meeting with the Miami-Dade Commission for Women in 2019 to discuss the pay gap on a county level, um, which I think Olivia has done as well. <laughs> I have, but this is all extremely impressive, Madeline. Um, thank you also for sharing your story. Um, I think that it gives a lot of context, like Josie mentioned, about the importance, not only on a global scale, not only with people we don't know, but um, but personal experience just makes it so much stronger. So I really, um, thank you for, for giving us that anecdote and um, 
for all the work you've been doing. It, it obviously has reached a lot of people nationally and internationally. I guess that's somewhat of a positive twist on COVID is are the opportunities we've been able to, to have because of it. Right. Um, so I, you've alluded to this many times, but just since we are associated with social impact movement mm -hmm. in the United Nations, um, we want just to specify. So we're, we're working with SDG5. And I know that um, you are also the ambassador of SDG5, gender equality um, with social impact movement. Can you allude to maybe some work that you've done um, as an ambassador or simply how you think that this will progress in the future for helping women um, with Shrink the Gap? Like how it, how it has progressed SDG5 on this international level? Mm -hmm. So. So actually, as the SDG5 ambassador for social impact movement, um, I led and moderated a panel featuring five women activists from five different countries. And we just spoke about the status of gender inequality or gender, you know, other aspects of maybe like more progressive towards progressing towards gender equality um, in their respective countries. Um, and so I think that was a really that was a really cool event that gave a lot of people insight about what was happening in other parts of the world um, besides the United States. Although we did have a really great um, United States representative. Her name is, uh, her, her organization is called Zoe's Dolls. Um, and so that was one of the biggest events that we did for SCG5. Um, so I also wanted to add that I would say that another SDG that applies to social impact, or sorry, to shrink the gap is SDG 8, promote sustained, inclusive, and sustainable economic growth. Um, full and productive employment, well, it also promotes full and productive employment. Um, women's part participation in the labor force and in jobs that match their high qualifications increases increases economic productivity and growth, and it encourages more innovation. So even though S Shrink the Gap works to promote gender equality, I think it's really obvious in the way that it does that. Um, I also just want to note that I think it also applies to SDG 8 because women are essential to our labor force and to our e economy for many reasons. Not only do they help sustain the labor force by doing so much unpaid care work that supports the people who also like do work in the actual workforce. They are part of the workforce. 57% <laughs> of women participate in the labor force. Um, and it's essential to our economy for, just for many reasons. Definitely. Um, I think that highlighting the importance that or the numbers that women bring to all, all spheres, all occupations, that women do make up half the population and 57%, like you mentioned, are um, part of the labor force. And so to not pay women respectively or simply have women um, be treated inferior to men is absurd when you, when you think it's not women, it's half the population. Mm -hmm. um, I think that the numbers are astounding. But also going back with what you said to advocacy and having, and similar to your panel, which sounds amazing by the way, 
having that um, different lens and a multitude of people and different countries and just kind of bringing everyone together to this center issue, right? That we can all kind of um, share and discuss because of our gender. What do you think that others in the community can do to help further this issue and further its education? Um, similar, I guess, to your panel of educating people even in different countries. So what, for the people listening to this podcast, how can they help? So I think public advocacy is really important. And with public advocacy comes with voting for the right people who will represent your needs and your wants. Um, I think I'll just discuss some legislation that I think would be very beneficial in narrowing this gender pay gap Please. and improving women's status in, in our society. Um, so the Paid Family and Medical Leaves Act is essential um, because like I said previously, women bear the burden of unpaid care work in the United States. And especially during the COVID pandemic, a large portion of women and most particularly low-income women and women of color had to leave the labor force because they could not afford, afford child care or elderly care. Um, and because they are segregated into lo these lower paying jobs that just doesn't offer them enough money to be able to afford these things um, and enough resources. Um, and so with the, fam the Paid Family and Medical Leave Act, I also think that child care tax benefits are important, but it's also important that people don't impose work requ requirements for people to be able to get these child care benefits because the whole point is, is that people can't go to work if they do not have proper child care. So why are we requiring people to do work to get these tax benefits when getting the tax benefits beforehand would actually help people go to work? If that makes sense. Um, that sounded a little confusing. Um, I hope it wasn't. Um, additionally, folks should advocate for the Paycheck Fairness Act, which strengthens the Equal Pay Act of 1963, and it provides additional protections against pay discrimination. Um, it includes like a federally uh, federal salary history ban, um, and yeah. And another uh, policy is the Raise the Wage Act. Um, it will raise the federal minimum wage to $15 an hour. Um, and an estimate from the Economic Policy Institute states that about six in 10 workers who will get a raise are women. And nearly one in four is a Latina and Black women. Um, and as I said previously, this is because women and particularly women of color are segregated into lower paying jobs and part-time work because they also face the burden of childcare and they need to look for flexible work to be able to, to do this childcare um, that they have, that they are responsible for. Um, and I would argue they are unequally responsible for this childcare. Um, and just in general, I do think that we need a better pathway to, citizen, to citizenship for people um, that doesn't deny people who are immigrating to the United States childcare assistance or medical care um, because the inaccess to this assistance, assistance makes people very exploitable and willing to work for lower wages and um, for insecure pay, especially in the informal economy. Um, so if we just provide people just better resources to be able to do 
this child care, I mean, to be able to care for their children, um, it will help women just get into better paying financial positions. Right. And a lot of what you're saying is that we have the resources for this, like generally speaking, right? Um, we have like the tax refunds, like to give mm -hmm. people, we have the ability to give this assistance to especially the women of the workforce. So they wouldn't have to stay home um, if they chose not to. And so they wouldn't be exploited by like the working system. Um, but I'm actually going to ask you a question that I asked Olivia, which is be becoming my favorite question. Um, you talk a lot about um, voting and legislation, um, which are all amazing things, and everyone should be exercising their right and their uh, responsibility to vote. Um, but if you have little Jane who lives down the street, how can she get involved with um, not only shrink the gap, but just trying to shrink the gap, right? Mm -hmm. So this is something that I've not really talked about publicly. Publicly. Well, we're a safe space, but, okay? Yeah. Um, but I would tell Jane that it's important to not let any barriers or anyone get in the way and change what you are doing. Right. I started Shrink the Gap. Um, I started Shrink the Gap in high school. And there were three distinct instances where a male teacher challenged me about the gender pay gap. One used biology as a factor. I don't even know how to get into that. Another one told me that the gender pay gap was a nuance. And to be honest, when I was in high school, I didn't know what a nuance meant. <laughs> and third, one literally said straight up that fathers work more than mothers do. And, you know, as a high school student who is so like, I care about what my teachers think. My right. teachers are huge influences, like, they are huge influences on us. Yeah. They socialize us. And I, for a moment, had to think about my project, the effectiveness of my project. Like, is this worth it? Ultimately, my answer was F yes, this is totally <laughs> worth it. Um, and so it's just really important to equip yourself with the tools and the knowledge to be able to respond to these comments. Um, it's really important. So I would tell little Jane down the block that just equip yourself with knowledge and with strength to be able to deal with people who oppose your ideas um, and appeal to people, I mean, to, to be able to confront people who are maintaining the system that is so harmful. And that is really important because in a patriarchal system, the system, it just works, it works against us. And it's important to not let that happen. Unfortunately it does. I think that's a really strong message. Um, 
the idea of ignorance in our society, um, kind of simply ignorance being a barrier to others believing or others seeing what is right in front of them. Um, mm -hmm. I had a super similar occurrence at my school. It was with a student, but the fact that three separate teachers um, had this belief system in your school is astounding. And you simply can do a Google search and it would prove all of them wrong in seconds. Yet they're spreading this information and students who, like you said, are very influenced by their teachers. Um, I mean, students believe what teachers say. Of course, they're, they're the superiors, they're the ones who have all this wisdom, who have gone through school. So hearing that from a teacher is, um, it's, it's crazy. And I think that's a big factor of um, this issue being more accepted. The fact that women get paid or that the gender pay gap doesn't exist, mm -hmm. um, even though it's proven. <laughs> exactly. Um, so you've, you've told us about now your progression with Shrink the Gap from high school into college. And I think that's really admirable that you've been able to continue doing this work um, and be up, um, keep updating it with different panels and such like you've been talking about. So do you see Shrink the Gap or this work that you're doing in general being a big part of your future? And um, if so, what do you see as its importance or its significance in your future? Yes, well, I am majoring in political science. <laughs> minoring in women's gender and sexuality studies for a reason. <laughs> um, so yes, I would love to continue my advocacy for um, women's economic growth. Um, and I would love to continue this work with Shrink the Gap. I am taking a class right now called Women in the Workforce. So it's just, a, it's about this. I'm also taking a class about global domestic labor, which I think touches on a really underrepresented group of like of women who work in the informal, quote unquote, economy of domestic work that is a lot less protected. Um, and so I would love to pursue my advocacy. Um, and I am working on it. And I think right now I'm at the position where I, like I said before, I, I want to equip myself with all of the knowledge and the tools to be able to direct my advocacy um, in an effective way. Um, and yes, I definitely plan on providing more salary negotiation workshops and gender pay gap information sessions um, in college. I am a, the director of public affairs for GW Leading Women of Tomorrow. GW has a chapter. Um, and so I will definitely give more information sessions through that and possibly with potential partnerships we make with other organizations. I mean, that's pretty amazing. Um, actually, I, I do know a little bit about uh, Women of Tomorrow. We do, we do have a chapter of my high school. So it's actually oh, cool. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, actually, two of my really good friends are president and vice president. Okay. So I do know a little bit about that, which mm -hmm. is nice to know that like it's not just an us thing. It's a it's, it's bigger than just a palmetto thing. Um, right. So 
you talked about how you have continued your project from high school to college Mm -hmm. and how your college academic career is trying to spur you into what comes after into the next chapter of your life and how you see your project fitting into that future of yours right um just before because I I do have a last question but that's usually my my actual last question um I have like two hot seat type rapid fire questions for you okay the answer can be as long or as short as you want but you know it's it's up to you how you answer them so he's always here you know spicing up the the conversation adding that little flair oh always making things spicy um I have a quick question actually I'm sorry just because Josie made me think of this did you ever did those teachers that were the motivation behind shrink the gap did they ever um contact you after shrink the gap became something as big as it is now nope um (laughs) what do you expect no and I just wanted to say that at this time, Shrink the Gap was a thing. It was a big project that I was doing at my school. So I guess my final rapid fire question until the actual final question, right? Mm-hmm. The, the famed final question. Um, I, asked Olivia, I asked Olivia this on our last episode, but again, I'm going to ask you just because your, your guys' um, projects are just so similar what is your position on the pink tax and how has it affected you and I will tell you how it's affected me but you may know if you've listened to our last podcast right so my position on the pink tax um I don't understand I don't understand why women's products are generally more expensive um and especially I think you brought it up in this last podcast like period products um first of all period products are a necessity they are not a luxury like they are a necessity so why are they still taxed in some states why are period products not provided for free in public restrooms and in schools in some space in some states um I've also heard and I've never like seen this empirically, but like my grandma has told me that it costs more money to get a blouse washed at the dry cleaners compared to a male, like a men's blouse. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's like five cents more or something. Right. It's, it's, it's not enough to be like, dude, my, my bill is outrageous, but it's enough. Like if you're paying attention, it's just annoying. Right. I mean, it is. Um, And especially since generally like women make less money, it's, it kind of exacerbates the issue, even if more subtle. Yeah. I make less money and they're charging me more. So therefore I am more broke than I was to begin with. Mm -hmm. So it's just all, all the way around in a way. Um, But yeah, so last episode I talked about the cost of making a tampon versus like how much the a box is, which is utterly outrageous. Don't even get me started. Um, but I, I think I just saw like the study like last week where they're trying to like 
make new period products out of like the waste from like linen factories or or, or something like that. It's really cool. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't read too much into it, but it's something like that. But yeah, no. so we're gonna we're gonna do a little bit of recap before this last question, and I promise you, it's the the last question. Okay. Yeah. So we have talked about your project Shrink, Shrink the Gap and how you started it because of three um, misogynistic and uh, like working for the patriarchy teachers over at your high school, right? We talked about your majors uh, or your major and your minor, political science and women's and gender and sexuality studies and how you're gonna carry your project from high school to college to beyond. Um, We talked about how just people in general can be involved, like voting on legislation and just being involved in their town. Also how little Jane can be involved by standing up for herself and not letting uh, misogynists gear her away just because she's a little girl. Um, But the last question is what do you, like what are your last words? Do you have any last words of wisdom you would like to impart on our uh, esteemed listeners? Yeah, so we hear 80 cents on the dollar all the time. Right, 80 like women in the United States, full-time working women in the United States generally earn 80 cents on the dollar compared to full-time working white non-Hispanic men. And I just wanted to say that the gender pay gap is so much more complex than that. First of all, it varies by race and ethnicity. And there are even subgroups. So like there are subgroups of Asian women who like, I mean, I think the statistic for Asian women, for example, is Asian women earn 85 cents on the dollar compared to white non-Hispanic men. Yet there are subgroups of women, for example, like Burmese women who earn a lot less. The gap is bigger. Yes. Right. The gap is much bigger. bigger. That's what I'm trying to say right now. (laughs) Um, And so it also varies by state. And there are so many women who are not represented at all by this statistic because it only represents full-time working people. Right. Um, I also wanted to say that non-binary and trans women are excluded from these statistics because of our system's inability to include them in this because of like the binary system. These statistics are binary. Um, And there are women who are forced out of the labor market who aren't working in the workforce, who are still working at home, but just not in the workforce, like who are not counted in this. There are women doing like, working in the gig economy and doing part-time work who are not counted on this in this. And they are just as important as these full-time working women. Um, And so that is what I really want my work to focus on ultimately, including all all of these women who are affected. Um, And I think a lot of people use like these 80 cents on the dollar to like, to do this work. Um, But it's just, it's just so much bigger than that. And and that's why it's so complex. So much bigger, so much bigger. Mm -hmm. Alrighty, 
Well, so how 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 can how can our listeners uh, get in touch with you? Can they DM you, email you? Yes. How, how how can we do this? How can we do this? Um, DM me on Instagram at shrink the gap. That's it. <laughs> Simple as that. I love it. I love it. Um, well, thank you, Madeline, for being thank here. You so much, Josie and Olivia. <laughs> thank you. Um, and we will be hearing more of you very, very soon. I'm completely and 100% sure. I look forward to it. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. From all of us here at the Voices of Miami team and at Social Impact Movement, thank you for listening to this installment of Voices of Miami. And we can't wait to share what's next with you guys. (laughs) Oh, <laughs> oh,